Welcome to the PFRS Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Dahl. Today with me is Brendan Saltvik. We're going to talk a little about faith, a little about sports, uh, fatherhood, mentorship, uh, being a good husband, and how he has grown into the person he is today. So it's a great conversation. Listen up. I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Who are you and, and where are you at right now? And uh, introduce yourself to the audience here. Yeah, well, gosh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, my name is Brennan Saltvik, and uh, I'm a 32-year-old guy who lives in Tacoma, Washington. Um, married, I have a stepdaughter named Lily. She's eight, just turned eight, can't believe it. Um, awesome. Dude, it's crazy. Um, and I am a school teacher. I taught in public and private school for about six years. I owned my own tutoring business during the pandemic. Um, and then on the side, I'm also a weightlifter. I love competing in the sport of Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of who I am now. Uh, as far as like just my upbringing, gosh, I mean, what, what do you what do you want to know specifically? I mean, there's so much to my story. Like, so, <laughs> we um. Well, the first off, my daughter's eight. She turns nine in, in what, a month now? Jeez, mm-hmm. time flies, man. So that, that age is that age is perfect. It's it's challenging enough, but it's still super, super fun. Um, so congratulations. You got married, what, last year or two years ago? Yeah, we're going to – it's almost our one-year anniversary. Uh, it's next month. Wow. And just crazy, dude. It's, <laughs> we, got married, we got married the 22nd of August, and uh, it's been – you know, I, I see with marriage, like why it's the best thing ever if you marry the right person. It's the worst thing ever if you marry the wrong person. And Absolutely. I thank God every day I married the right person. Um, and so we have, I can't believe it. We're going to be married almost a year. And it just, I blinked twice. It flew by. Yeah. Um, just... Sometimes it feels like we're still dating. It's really weird. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, that's that's the that's the, the first year. Uh, Sarah and I are yeah. coming up on. 10 years okay this, this coming year so so 2023 will be 10 years um and yeah how old are you again i turned 40 next year no way i thought you were my age no dude <laughs> oh i didn't know i didn't know you were a master's athlete oh okay. come on now i yeah Whoa. no i'm jump. i jump age groups next okay. year <laughs> oh, okay 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 dude that's crazy i thought you were my age for some reason Cause I, dude, I remember meeting you the first time and you were like, you know, you're, you're definitely a strong dude for weightlifting, but I think I saw you at that team dude camp in Prineville. Dude, you got so jacked. I was like, Edel? Like Eric Edel is like. <laughs> Shoot, you froze. Oh, am I here? You're here now. Okay. Yeah, my so. my internet might be a little. My phone's been acting funky. Oh, it's okay. Um. So yeah, that 
that camp. So I think the first time we met, you'd come down and trained at club sport with Kyle and me, mm-hmm. and John. And well, mm-hmm. I don't think John was there. Um, and yeah, I think I weighed one eighty, one eighty five, mm-hmm. maybe. And then when I saw you at uh, two thousand nineteen camp in Prineville, I weighed two twenty. Yeah, Man. that was just I. I went back. So how I got from one sixty five or whatever to one eighty five or one seventy to one eighty five, one ninety, I was watching my macros doing all that, you know, really staying on track and just trying to be healthier. And then at something clicked and I started, I think it was right about the time that I snatched a hundred that I was just like, okay, if, and then like I, I got stuck and I was like, okay, I got to do something. And I was, I was sleeping good. Um, my stress levels were pretty much like even killed. Um, work was fine and i was like i just gotta eat and i started eating i probably put another like 1500 calories or so on my diet and was hitting the gym the same amount and did a bunch like would sub in some bodybuilding stuff and right it just clicked and yeah man i went from like 185 190 to 200 and then from 200 to 220 like the the jump, oh, that's what it was. I went on a job. Uh, it was at the Portland Community College up here, and it was right, basically like a block away from the one of the best donut shops in in Portland. And oh, bro, my Is boss. No, this one's it's just a hole in the wall. You wouldn't even think of it, but they have they they have this like vanilla cream, but it's like whipped donut. Mm. And it's one of those where if you leave it on paper or in the paper bag, the entire bag will be saturated with oil by the time, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that sounds good. And my boss like found a barbecue on OfferUp. So I was eating. It was cheaper. I, I found a good deal on steaks. So I was eating like a 14 ounce steak and potato, like two cups of potatoes and brussels sprouts every single day for lunch and i was having an out or a blueberry fritter and a blueberry filled donut every morning for like three months yeah <laughs> and that's it's that's nice. what like crested me from uh from like a 94 95 kilo lifter to a 102 103 yeah and uh yeah man that was it was that was a jump for me (laughs) that's so cool yeah it's it's funny just for me i'm like the total opposite bro i'll look at like steak Mm -hmm. no me bam plus or minus um like we got back from vegas i was like sitting at like 270 you know which is pretty normal for the last few years for me you well, know, you're like 6'4", 6'5", uh, right? 6'2". You're 6'2"? Six 6'2". Two? Six two. Yeah. It's the I hair. I have really long... And the lifters. Uh, I I think it's my legs. I have such long femurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can pack on so much muscle. I've always just been super muscular because I played uh, high school and college football. 
Yeah. And so like all we did was squat to RDLs, cleans, and my legs were just huge. Yeah. I lost you again. Yeah. And it was like, it wasn't good. I did not look good, bro. Like I had the biggest, like when I squat, my belly would go in between my adductors. <laughs> and just, it was nasty, dude. Like I was eating KFC. Like I was, I was on the Eric Dahl diet, man. Like yeah. it was, you know, KFC donuts. And then I started And there's, you have the preparatory phase where you're doing a lot more lifting for football. Yep. And then kind of summer, summertime, you introduce, reintroduce conditioning. And then I dropped back down to like 290, which is where I played mostly at for my career. Damn. But like, yeah, easy. And I was like, and at 290, I was mobbing. Like my 40 time was like about 5'3 for Jeez. offensive linemen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, uh, and then uh, like my conditioning was really good. Like I could run. We had this stuff called, uh, uh, called the mounting run. And it was mm -hmm. basically our conditioning test for college football. We had to do 990 yards of lines, nonstop consecutive. And it was, uh, you had for offensive linemen, you had to be under three minutes. So you had to cruise through wow. that. And the fastest I ever got, I came so close. I got 301. Oh right? my no God. Else, no one else got it. No one else came even close. That's I remember insane. Yeah, and I remember, dude, it was nuts. I remember my senior year, because my freshman year, I did it and just got destroyed, dude. Some guys yeah. couldn't even finish. Yeah. So I... I was like, dude, I think. Oh, I'm losing you. Good? We're good now. So you were losing. Okay. Oh, so like I, after that's the first time I ran it my senior year, it was like the last time I was ever going to do the Mountie run because uh, it was my senior year in college. And yeah. I was like thinking to myself afterwards, I'm like, man, I think I could do this again for sure. No question. About <laughs> it. And uh, that's how good of running shape I was in. But uh, kind of going back to this, like like you said, it was it, for me, it was counting your macros, uh, making sure that your diet's on point. I realized like I was eating way too much and getting too heavy and slow. Uh, and my, it affected my recovery. I just didn't feel good. Can't, and you can't so sleep been, good. You can't sleep good. So that's the other thing is I have a uh, really bad eczema on my fingertips. Yeah. And it really affects weightlifting quite a bit because like you cannot, I, there's some days where I can't even lift. I can't even grip the bar. Like I have to use straps. Like yeah, these cuts I get on my fingers are so painful. Mm. And so and it, a lot of eczema comes from like gut health and food inflammation. So I've had to eat really, really clean. Yeah. Um, and, you know, right now I'm like fluctuating between like 270, 275, but I feel a lot leaner, feel a lot better. Yeah. And my lifting surprisingly, you know, unsurprisingly is going up. Yeah. No, that's great, man. Yeah, a lot of it is relevant. Yeah. Lost you again. Just, no, you're, sorry, dude. Here, let me try and fix this. Okay. Could be my Wi-Fi. Give me one second. No, you're good. Here, let's. 
Okay. How am I? You're good there. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like for me, like I've been doing a lot more stuff other than weightlifting, a lot more bodybuilding and actually doing, you know, I know this is a absolute blasphemy for weightlifters is doing a little bit more cardio and doing like sprints, kind of old school, like football workouts I used to do. So and uh, I Jim Windler on that, Jim yeah. Windler, there's a distinct difference between cardio and conditioning and what you're doing is not cardio whatsoever. I mean, if you're sitting like mm-hmm. if you're rowing for like 10,000 calories, like that's cardio, you know, right. or if you were going and doing like trying to get your, you know, running intervals, mile intervals at like 11 minute miles or 10 minute miles and doing like 10 miles a day, like that's cardio, but just trying to get as as crossfitters like to call the your engine right trying yeah. to prime yourself so you can actually perform at a, an elite level consistently i mean that's that's the biggest thing for us as weightlifters is is being consistent in the gym and in life and i'm sorry like if you're not if your body's not conditioned it makes it a hundred times worse it just makes it like so you dread going to the gym but if your body's yeah. conditioned like even even if you're just conditioned to doing um the lifts every single day you know like like john north has always said you got to get you have to uh adapt to training like you're you're conditioning your body your body's adapting to that style of training if you're not adapted if you're not conditioned you're not going to even want to go to the gym like you're going to find exactly your brain right. and your emotions are going to make it that much more difficult to leave your house right it's funny you mentioned uh jim he uh we used his stuff as our strength program in college the 531 mm-hmm. and dude we got so strong doing that program but i think juggernaut borrows a lot from their style of like training mm-hmm. um talking about like the conditioning you're doing is like a lactic or conditioning that's not going to build a lot of lactic acid yep so where you're doing a lot of like like marathon running or mile running or rowing for ten thousand calories you're going to build a lot of lactic acid and it's not conducive to recovery whereas if you do things like metabolic conditioning like yeah like the intensity is going to be relatively high but your recovery from that is going to be a lot better because you're not going to be producing as much lactic acid yeah. Um, and that's that's what I've noticed, quite honestly. Like when I just go in, like the only like cardio that I'll really do is maybe 10 minutes on the bike to warm up. If I feel like just complete ass that day, yeah. I'm just like, dude, I just have to kind of get my the engine started, if you will, yeah. um, for lack of a better term. But I mean, I think there's a huge amount of benefit. And I think a lot of just lifters and coaches won't. Are, are a little afraid to coach or to program any sort of conditioning just because they feel like it'll kill their gains or it's not necessary. And for me personally, anything that's going to make you a better athlete for weightlifting, which conditioning yep. definitely will, will make you in turn a better weightlifter. And that includes bodybuilding. That includes even things like doing a little bit of um, CrossFit. Those things are yep. going to nat- naturally make you better athlete, which in turn will make you better weightlifter. That being yep. said, you can't, you know, major in a bunch of different things and expect to be really good at all of them. Like you're no. either going to be very mediocre at a bunch of things 
and not good at anything. I prefer just to be really good at one or two things or in the case yeah. of weightlifting, you know, for us, like we'll never be quote unquote, really, we're just, you know, we're doing this as a hobby. Like it's fun. Yeah. Uh, no, know, it's it's like, a, it's a blast. That's <laughs> It's so much fun, dude. And I think going into my story, like what makes me tick too, um, is I, I love weightlifting and I love doing it because I love to compete and I love pushing myself and I love having fun. And mm-hmm. I find this sport is just so much fun, dude. Yeah. Um, and just like the people you meet and everything, it's just the best thing about it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, dude, that's, it's, it's great to be able to have conversations with, with anybody and everybody in this sport. Like I've, I've talked to so many people that from just different spectrums of it, and it all comes down to just the love of it. And as you know, People outside of college, outside of high school that competed heavily, like, you know, I played sports from, I was telling my wife the other day, like, I, like I was four years old, three years old on the practice field with my brothers and my dad for football. Like, it's in my blood. Like, we, we played football, we played baseball, we wrestled. Like, I was, I was on the wrestling team from kindergarten until like 11th grade, you know, and right to have that just stop. Yeah. when you when you graduate whether it's high school or college like you, it's just it's it's impossible to get that sense of competition out of you and you either use it at work which can be toxic um or you find something to do some guys play softball some guys play rugby you know our friend uh Jonathan Douglas he's he's Dude, played rugby for years monster yeah god he's a monster yeah um but that competitive just nature of weightlifting you can do it until you're 70 75 you know like the weight classes the the age classes just keep going basically like if you if they found some 90 year old that wanted to lift they would just they're like okay well there's your age class what's your weight right (laughs) Um, right you're absolutely right and i think that that was a big thing for me is i got done with college football and like my story with college football like I had a very successful college career playing small college football, mind you. It wasn't like I played NCAA, yeah. you know, Division One, but very successful nonetheless. And but I was so burnt out from playing at that level. Yeah. Um, it was so exhausting. Like not just like physically, like the physical stuff was okay. Like the yeah. only bad part was the two days during fall camp. God, I hated that. Oh, yeah. Jesus, I never <laughs> want to do that again. It's the worst. I'd rather sit through meetings at work, and that's yeah. saying something. Um, yeah. That that alone makes me want to gouge my eyes out. <laughs> but uh, I would say the big thing for me is like the first two years after football, loved it, and I loved being what I call like normal life. Yeah, I'd say civilian life because I didn't do anything remotely close to the military. Yeah. Um, so, but it was nice, and then I just. I don't know, like something about like I still lifted, I still trained. I was like, I was determined to not be fat. Yeah. And because I see a lot of offensive linemen, they blow up. So I actually, after football, I dropped from about 290 in about a year. I went all the way down to 225. Holy smokes. Yeah, dude. I'll I'll send you a picture. But I was skinny, dude. Like there was not any meat on me. And <laughs> I was doing and all I did was, it was crazy. All I did was, was walk. I would walk uphill for like 45 minutes every day. That's, That's all I did. 
um, walking is the most underrated form of cardio ever. It's terrible. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, Yeah. no, 100%. But for me, it was just something about it was I miss the chase. Yep. I miss the hunt. And I think there's something to that with like men, especially like for me, there's this, there's this thing with like, um, are you familiar with a guy named Carl Yoon? No. Carl Yoon is a, he's like the forefront of like modern psychology, philosophy, um, a guy who likes to quote him a lot is uh, Jordan Peterson. Okay. And uh, Carl Jung essentially discusses about the, 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 the inner darkness or the inner monster. Mm-hmm. And like every, every person has the, the shadow. That's what he yeah. calls it, not the inner monster, the shadow. Yeah. And the shadow, like you should be, and this is so counterintuitive to like how men are. Everybody has a shadow. And we're like with the shadow, with the monster, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you should suppress it. It's bad, like bad, 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 not good. Like the things yeah. that drive us to competition, the things that drive us to propensity of, you know, toxic violence. masculinity. Talk, it kind of goes into the whole toxic masculinity thing. And Yoon's point is that you should be a monster. And this is what Peterson kind of revitalizes, but you should be a monster. Yeah. Is that and this principle is that you shouldn't be monster in the sense of like you should go and destroy for the sake of destroying or get power for the sake of power, but rather you should be a monster in the sense that you should be dangerous. Like you need to channel that aggression. And the thing I noticed that with the most was actually jujitsu fighters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been around like a lot of jujitsu fighters. Like when you talk to them, guys who really are in the game, they're yeah. like the nicest dudes ever, yeah. the nicest guys ever. But when they get on the mat, they're some of the baddest mothers ever, yeah. dude. No, it, it, they're not. It, it's like it, a curtain falls. Yes. It, 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 and then something about that where it clicks, that competitive nature, that competitive side where they channel the monster. But mm-hmm. they're doing it in a way that's positive. Yep. They're doing it in a way that's perfecting, that's actually not creating disorder or chaos or whatever it is. But they're creating um, – a new craft they're they're channeling something beautiful or they're upholding something just or they're 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 in the pursuit of something successful they're in the pursuit of something beautiful Uh, for weightlifting for us it's the total it's the fact that we're chasing a kilo we're trying to get better yeah and so like every time we approach the training like you should be a monster and that's kind of the approach i had with football is like I would be the guy that smiled in his pictures. I would never wear eye black. I wouldn't do any of that stupid stuff. I thought yeah. it was totally weak because the guys who do that, <laughs> the guys who do that are trying so hard to be hard that they're not hard. Yep. If you can't <laughs> Yep. And, no, I and don't like agree. The guys, the guys I see that smile in the pictures, like that's a dude I don't want to mess with. Or like, <laughs> I'm not he's, joking. He's like, happy he's, to be there. Yeah. And, <laughs> he's happy to rip your head off. And what kind of psycho can smile one minute and then go on the field and be like, I'm going to rip your head off and actually do it. Yeah. And so like, that's the idea is like, when you're on the field, you should be the baddest mother ever. Yep. You should be the guy lighting people up. But right after the whistle's done, you're just, you're, you're helping dudes up. Like you're there. Like, and that's the kind of the idea that Yoon talks about is like channeling that. And yeah. we look at that as a society and say that's a bad thing. I think that's why, like, you know, all participation trophies or, or you know, everybody's a winner or you can't yeah. have contact with it anymore. And yeah. it's like, no, there's that's not the reality of life. Because when hard times come, you do need strong men. You do need men who are prone to be monsters so that yeah. they can defend the weak and the helpless. 
Yep. And, you know, I think that that is just not just as a Christian, I believe that, but as I think it's just intuitive with people. Like, I think that that's the world needs strong, good, moral men that are willing to step up to the plate. And we don't have that right now. And I, so I think to, to summarize that weightlifting really encapsulates that portion. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, on on that part of it, it's there's there. It's really cool the way that a, a weightlifting competition is set up, and the fact that it's divided, right? Like you're you're in the warm up room, and it's in this thing, and you're all together. It's kind of like a corral of of just of craziness and and coaches running around and athletes and loaders and everybody. And then you have like a walkway and there's, you're walking by, you know, a couple guys sitting in chairs and then you, then you turn a corner most of the time. This, I mean, almost every single meet that I've been to is set up this way in one way, one facet or another, you turn a corner and you almost step over a line. And that line Mm. to me signifies like that's, that's like the barrier, right? You're, you're sitting there, you're, you're thinking about what you're doing. You're thinking about your lifts. And as soon as you cross that barrier, all, all thought is gone. All emotion that's not dedicated to that moment and that, that barbell and that platform is gone. You know what I mean? And it just, it encompasses that, that switch, that, that curtain call where it's just, you know, you're, you're what this, the person that everybody knows, and then the curtain pulls back and you're a beast and it's time yeah. it's, and it's go time. And, um, the, the, the other side, the other thing I wanted to say to, to what you were saying is as far as the world's concerned, I, I think it's, it's progressing. There's a lot more people, you know, I'm not necessarily on the forefront of it. Um, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm trying to get a voice of everybody who's struggling or has, has struggled and has built something or created something, um, has, has come up, have, has lifted themselves up or has had help to lift themselves up, um, and get their stories heard. Um, but I don't think it's just a lack of strong men in our society and the world. I think it's, it's, I think it's a lack of strong, like truly strong individuals, men or women that are willing to do their, do their role in, in, in society. So for a a woman, you know, like for a woman to be strong by today's standards is not the same as it, like my mom, you want to talk about strong women, like my grandmother, my great grandmother, you know, like she walked around on a broken ankle broken broken for for months like it 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 healed and it was jacked up like that's strong she took care of her family she like these women did whatever it took to survive that's strength that's a strong individual that's a strong person um who's willing to step up and do whatever die for their children die for their family um you know, wreck their bodies for their families just so their kids can uh, grow up in a world that's that doesn't like they don't need to know what their parents went through. You know, just now I'm finding out things about my dad 
and what he went through when I was when I was much younger, um, working in the mills and stuff like that, you know, like he's telling me stories now. I'm like, shit, I never knew. He's like, no, you're not supposed to know. Right. Yeah. And, and um, so I think like like what you're doing with with your students and with your podcast and like what um uh ryan mickler uh order a man like his movement that he's started you know that that's that's like strength like and he's he, he's not bringing up just young men and and older men like us like he's like mothers and parents are are listening to him and and they're coming up as well so it's like as this movement of strength i can't say i'm familiar with him so okay I no look him up too much on eric's stuff yeah no no check him out he's a okay. order of man um he's solid he had, he's he's started basically doing podcasts on his phone like six seven years ago and now he's he's full all in it's great um but uh but anyhow dude let's uh i really want to hear your story of your who you are in in your religion and yeah. how how that came to be Oof. because i know for me like I, I i was brought up in a methodist family um very young and all the way through the high school and stuff got more and more active and then after high school just kind of slowly tapered off um, yeah yeah and i still i still have my faith um, I wouldn't say I'm religious by any means, but what you have done and I mean, and can I just say, can I just say I'm not religious either? So cool. that's no, <laughs> it, it's, it's good. Like I, I, I think there's a, there's a solid differentiation between faith and religion and some people see it and some people don't, some people agree with it and some people don't. And I really honestly don't give a shit because it's not my place to judge. Right. Sure. It's, sure. it's my, it's my faith and like, I believe what I believe. And I think I'm, I know, I know that I'm a sinner and I know what I do wrong and I'm not proud of it, but you know, that's, right. that's between me and him, him, her, <laughs> him, her, they, them. <laughs> or they, them. Yeah. You know, they, them. Know. Uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe God's gender fluid. I don't know. <laughs> dude, okay. So there's an episode in future on my this is kind of going out there. Dude, but I love that show by the way. So, so. like, Bender like gets launched out into the space, yeah. right? And he ends up in he found God. And it's just yes. this nebula thing with like lights blinking and whatnot. Like in my brain, like I mean, in all reality, that's most likely kind of like this omnip omnipotent like power. Yeah. It's just like there is no form. Yeah. It's formless. Like we like to say God, him, he, because that's our in my brain, like that's the father right yeah the, the creator but like most likely in my, like for me to think it's just like okay this is it's just a source of power a source of of energy that's created what we have um, but so enough with that i really want to hear how yeah. you came to how, how you came to the your faith that you are today and like it was there a transition point uh yeah from like youth to adulthood or, or your, your youth religious side, maybe where you were going to church as a kid with your family to where you really came into your own as a young man. 
um, and your faith. Man, I, I appreciate you asking me about that. Thank you. Um, I I would say that I did not grow up in a very religious home at all. I actually got saved when I was in college my junior year. Okay. Um, and it was pretty radical how it happened. But to kind of give context to that, like I grew up in a family that's culturally Roman Catholic. Uh, my family, you want to talk about family that grew up in hard conditions. I mean, my family on my mom's side immigrated from Croatia during the Boer War. Uh, my great, 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 great grandfather uh, was captured in South Africa during the Boer War as a Croatian. And they had all these internment camps for Croatians. And he was in prison as a, in a concentration camp as a 13-year-old boy. These oh concentration God. camps, by the way, were the model that Himmler used for Dachau. Yeah. Yeah, they were not fun. Um, we actually talked to a Croatian historian, and he's he's like the only guy – or a Boer War historian. And he's like the only guy I've ever heard escaping that camp is your great, 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 great grandfather five times. Um, wow. He's the only one that survived. And he escaped from South Africa at the age of 13, gone on a boat, fishing boat, and eventually made his way to San Francisco into the United States. And then my dad's side of the family – okay, so this is going to blow you away. Right, I have crazy okay. family history. <laughs> Let's so hear this, it. Let's, this, let's go, this man. Even crazier. So, my great, 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 great grandfather. You can actually find him on uh, Wikipedia. His name's Etienne Lucille. He was a fur trader that worked for the Hudson Bay Company in Washington Territory. He was on the council and was one of the deciding votes to vote Washington Territory as Washington State. Holy shit. And, yeah, so that's my family history. So we we have he actually used to own basically what is now downtown Portland, all that land. He what? used to own all of it. Yeah, pretty much. Look, and he ended he ended up marrying a crow woman. Um, like just super crazy family history. Wow. So like, yeah, I wish I wish we would have kept that property downtown Portland. <laughs> like I would be a zillionaire right just now. Like, just like a quarter <laughs> acre, you know, maybe yeah. half an acre. <laughs> it, it's nuts, dude. And, uh, you know, that's kind of my family history. Pretty wild, right? And so we've had real, real strong roots in Washington State. Um, and I grew up in a very Roman Catholic family. Both my parents are Roman Catholic. Yeah. Um, and I would say they're more culturally Roman Catholic. Uh, was not brought up to really particularly believe in one religion or the other. Like we did First Communion, my brother and I. Um, mm. Hated it. Hated every second of it. Um, was shamed all the way through his kids in Catholic yeah. schools, not being good enough, not being worthy enough, um, not doing communion right, whatever. Like yeah. it was very, to make a long story short. And um, and like middle school, I just decided like, this is all crap and I hate Christians. I don't like Christians at all because they're very hypocritical. They're very mean. Yeah. And all the popular kids at our school um, we're a part of young life and they're like, yeah, we're the cool kids. And I was, yeah. I was always that guy that just wanted to bring people down to, to heal. Like I loved humbling people. I was very prideful, <laughs> um, still kind of am prideful, but, um, I would love to nail people and get in their faces about it. Uh, like there was one kid and I'll eventually mention him later. There was one kid who's outwardly like very Christian and I would pretend to be gay to him and be like, oh, Carl. And he's like, no, I just like, it just, like, I was that guy. I was an antagonist. Yeah. yeah. Extraordinaire. And um, then um, my senior year in high school comes around. And throughout my uh, young adult life, I would say like 
high school, middle school, um, struggled a lot with depression, struggled a lot with feeling not good enough, never really gave God too much thought, didn't really read the Bible. And then something happened. Um, This was the night before we were supposed to play Olympia High School, really big high school game that one of our rivals. And I have this dream. Um, And it's just very simple dream. It's black background, golden italics letters. And it said, first Corinthians one nine. And that was it. That was the dream. And I wake up and I'm like, I think that's a Bible verse. I don't know if I was like ingesting acid the night before. Like, am I hallucinating? Like, and so, so I go to I go to the computer lab at school the next day, Friday morning. Um, and I go on Google and I look up First Corinthians one nine because it was so vivid, dude. It was just in my head, and I couldn't yeah. like let it go. Could not let it go. And uh, go Google it, of course. That's when Google probably came. I, I think that's when Google came out. Yeah. But um, Google it, and it said, God, who is faithful, has called you to a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And I sat there, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and I said, no way this is real. Because I was the guy that would tell people, like, you believe in Jesus, a dying resurrecting zombified jew like you guys believe this guy nailed by a two by four like you really think he's the son of god like come on guys it doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah and like i'm sitting there talking to stupid young life kids zach pearson and this is a funny conversation zach's in the what we call the hiltons he was in the fancy bathroom at the high school taking Mm -hmm. a dump and i'm talking to him about religion in the middle of the bathroom during like third or fourth period something like that (laughs) And I'm asking Zach, I'm like, okay, what does this verse mean? Like, spell it out to me, Jesus boy. And Zach was a good friend of mine, still are good friends to this day. And he pretty much was like, you know, I think God just wants to know you. I think God wants you to be in relationship with him. Yeah. And it's so strange for me because my whole life, I've been always treated like a pariah. I've been always treated, I was always the loud, always the, you know, over the top guy, kind of the guy who was very edgy always been that guy and just like Mm -hmm. how i am right now is a toned down version how i was in high school and uh and um i i thought about it for you know probably a good like a year and i really sat on it and i had like another guy named bill dupenthaler who opened up the weight room and he led the whole young life thing he was super cool and he just 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 invited me to bible discussions and i would ask questions and he's like you know what do you think about that like he didn't shout me down he's like you know let me let me think about that. I'm not really sure. They didn't give me an answer. I'm like, you know, that, that actually wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. Yeah. And then come college, um, I'm sitting there with my um, my history advisor. I majored in history in college. And uh, he's hardcore atheist. And I'm telling him about this experience. Him and I became pretty good friends. And uh, he was just a great guy. Great intellect. Learned a lot yeah. from Greg. Dr. Monahan, dude. He was it was at Eastern Oregon University. That's where I went to college, um, okay. out there in LeGrand. And um, Greg and I were talking about this, and he gives me this book uh, called Misquoting Jesus by Dr. Bart Ehrman, basically talking about how the Bible's been corrupted over time. You can't trust the translations. He's like, yeah. read this book. And he said something that really stuck with me. He's like, I promise you, if you seek the truth, you will find it. You yeah. will find it if, you are, or if you're open and you seek the truth. And I just, I'm trying to be as honest as I can, Eric. And -hmm. I told myself, I'm going to seek the truth. Like I'm going to figure it. So I ended up reading that whole book. 
I've probably read it twice in my life. Bart yeah. Ehrman. Um, and then I was like, okay, so Bart Ehrman's not the only New Testament scholar. There's got to be other New Testament scholars. So I read N.T. Yeah. Wright. I read Eric Spog. I read William Lane Craig, Gary Habernas. Then I okay. start reading. I didn't, it turned into this huge project in college, and I took a bunch of classes, ended up getting a religious studies minor, where I ended up <laughs> studying the whole world religions. I'm talking Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, Mormonism. Yeah. And I was like, okay, who is this God guy? What's the correct religion? Because like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I gotta figure this out. And I had this experience and I want to know, is this legit? Yeah. Is, is this a figment of my imagination? And like, I talked to all my professors, like I talked to my Hindu professors, like, you know, it's quite admirable that you're like, you know, thinking about this and like, really not like bug hopping on one train or the other. I'm like, it's not admirable, you know, Dr. Komodo, like, it's it's frustrating like just give me the answer and yeah so i came to christianity and i evaluated the evidence and and just like the validity of christianity from different arguments like the historical argument the moral argument for the existence of god the cosmological mm-hmm. argument like the beginning of the universe kind of just like the fine tuning of the universe how the universe has been finely tuned for existence and i was so shocked at how good the evidence was because i was told constantly throughout my life like christianity is backwards it's baseless it's not rooted in any sort of fact um Mm -hmm. there's no truth to it whatsoever and it's mocked constantly in our culture so i almost wanted to and i did not here's the thing i did not want it to be true because i knew if it was true i would have to change how i was living because how i was living in college wasn't good because i was yeah out sleeping around i was drinking like it wasn't good dude like you know and it was like crippling how depressed i was um and weird so, how that works gosh like when you have <laughs> a generation of men with no meaning they're depressed no way stop yeah. it Odd. Uh, i'm being sarcastic for our listeners uh, <laughs> but uh to make a long story short like i remember it was my late my sophomore year in college i'm in the duplex i get down on my knees after listening to this huge debate thing between it was dr william lane craig and mm-hmm. christopher hitchens and okay. willing like Craig just trounced this guy. And I'm like, okay, like, all right, you definitely are real. Like, I just, I just could, I just knew it. Mm-hmm. I just knew it. I'm like, you are the real God, but here's my life. I'm gonna live my life how I want. And I'll, I'll like, you know, acknowledge I'll be a Christian or whatever, but like, I just total like bartering with God. Like I'll do this. If you let me have this. Yeah. And, uh, I gave God an inch and he took a freaking mile, dude. Um, <laughs> And so my junior year, I went back to Catholic church because that's what I was familiar with. Mm-hmm. My junior year, I go to uh, this Foursquare church, one of my teammates on the football team, Matt Orthman. And Matt's like, dude, you should go. They love the football team. And there's free food for football players. And I'm like, uh, done. As an offensive <laughs> line, I'm like, done. Yeah. Broke college kid, done. Like, I was eating out of my peanut butter jar the whole week. I was so yeah. broke. I'm like, I'm done. Done, bro. Yes. Let's, let's go. go. Free food. And uh, I met this guy. So this guy changed my freaking life. Um, his name was Jeffrey Forbes. This guy discipled me. He was the coolest freaking guy ever. So you meet Jeff. He's just a super nice, down-to-earth guy, southern guy from Tennessee. And he's got these, like, deformed fingers. He's kind of, like, at first I thought he was Ned Flanders. Like, oh, you poor guy. Like, you have all these deformed fingers, but you're, you're you know, you're, you got, you got Jesus to lean on your, the, lean on your crutch for and you know you 
you you have religion. And then when I found out was Jeff was a total psychopath in his past. He was in a heavy death metal band. And uh, the reason why his fingers are so deformed, like his fingers are like super small. Fingers were deformed from using too many drugs and getting in too many fights. And <laughs> it's like arthritis, arthritis apparently. Oh my and I'm God. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, dude, this guy could legitimately talk about finding a monster and not even knowing it. This guy yeah. could kill me if he wanted to. He mm-hmm. was tougher than me. And like he started telling me about his past, dude. Um, and it was nuts. It was nuts. And uh, basically, to make a long story short, Jeff like shattered a lot of stereotypes for me as mm-hmm. far as what it meant to be a Christian and what it meant to follow Jesus and the religiosity behind it. And um, like, I remember going to his house and I'm like sitting there, like we're going to watch the 49ers game. There's of course free food. So I was all about it. And he's mm-hmm. like, Hey, you want a beer? And I thought this was some sort of test. I'm like, oh, I should say no, no. And he cracks one open and I'm like, actually I will have a beer. And he started laughing and he's like, why didn't you just say you wanted a beer earlier? I was like, well, I didn't want you, like, I didn't realize pastors could drink. He's like, oh yeah, they could drink. And I'm like, huh. And uh, Jeff loved me. Here's the thing though. Jeff loved me through some really, really dark times. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Jeff uh, was there for me at points that were so low and I was just so isolated and alone. And he just loved me through it. And uh, they just were consistent. And I would keep going to church. And it was such a weird church. They would raise hands and like sing to Jesus. I'm like, this is kind of weird for me. And they would Mm -hmm. sing one particular song. uh, It's called You're Beautiful by Phil Wickham. And there's this line in there that uh, really hit me. I always liked the song because it was really catchy. But um, it was this part where it says, "I, I see you there on the tree. You bled and you died and you rose again for me. And then all of a sudden, I just started bawling because then I realized um, he died for me, and uh, it, it became real. Mm-hmm. I, I can't explain it. It became real. The yeah. gospel, um, Christianity, whatever you want to call it, this Jesus thing, went from my head to my freaking heart. And I remember doing the weird thing, raising your hands. To, to Jesus, praising Jesus. And I thought it was so weird. And I was, I just could care less. Yeah. I've never felt so free in my life to know the only eyes in the sky that really mattered looked at me, the kid that no one loved, that no one, so everyone kind of wanted to push aside because you're weird or too much or this or that. Yeah. Um, that wasn't significant. And he's like, I loved you first before you even, before I was even a thought to you. And I went to Jeff and I said, he saw me crying. He's like, bro, that was, I, I you got so emotional because I was a hard, hard guy. I did mm-hmm. not cry. I did not open up like that. And uh, I looked at Jeff. I'm like, I think I'm a Christian now. I think, I, I think I'm a Christian. And he just gave me a big hug. And, uh, you know, my life wasn't fixed overnight. Yeah. It, it's still a process. But uh, to make a long story short, um, I, that's how I, that's how I encountered Christ and it changed my life. And here's the thing it also did for me for weightlifting is it took all, and and really sports, it took all the pressure off of me because Christianity says something really hard. It's really hard to embrace. It's very Mm -hmm. simple, but it's very hard. You don't need to prove yourself anymore. 
you're already accepted. You have nothing to gain, nothing to lose. All you have to do is accept the fact that you're loved by him. And that's a really hard thing because in my hearts of hearts, I want to do works. I want to add to the gospel. I yeah. need to prove myself worthy. I need to prove myself good enough. I need to show people. I need to impress this person. I need this job. I need success. I need all this. And yet, because of the gospel, I'm freed from that, and I can just enjoy. I don't yeah. care if I bomb out. I don't care if I don't hit a PR today. Like, yeah, it sucks, but like at the end of the day, if the only eyes in the sky have looked at me in the bottom and loved me to the stars, who cares? Who cares yeah. about what other people think? You know, and not to say that it do, it's not a struggle, not to say you won't struggle with it ever again, but the fact that the gospel gives a remedy for that, um, yeah. that our society, quite honestly, doesn't have a good solution for, in my estimation. So that, to make a long story very short, that's as short as I can make it. <laughs> that's, that's how I became a Christian. Wow. Wow. Um, so... I threw a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's 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 okay. It's okay. So in your leading leading up to being saved and that moment, um, and your friend, are you still there? Yeah, okay. I'm here. Sorry. Okay. No, it's okay. Life. No, it's all good. Um, so leading up to that moment, you said you were you were in basically rock bottom times um for you yeah what else without full without send. full send just go for it and so, okay so whatever whatever it was that you were at rock bottom with you know like i went when i was in college like i i avoided rock bottom per se because I, I, I was able to, at, something happened, and I was able to step back and see what was around me. And just, like, I made the decision to move home on a Thursday, and I was at my, it, I moved back into my parents' house from Bellingham to Kelso in oh, yeah. less, less than 48 hours. Like, it was just wow. a, like, I don't care about my friends. I don't care about the four years that I've been here. Like, I do not care. If you're, you want to be my friend, then you'll still be, if you're worth being a friend, then it doesn't matter if I live here or not. Bye. Like, and so for me, I avoided that rock bottom position at that, that time in my life. I've definitely been close a few other times since. Um, but at what point for you, like walk me through how you, how you like, how you realized you were like done. Like you were at the lowest point that you were going to go and you, every day you woke up, you had to tell yourself something, whatever it was you were going to tell yourself to make it through the day before you found yeah. God, um, before he found you or before you realized that he was seeing you every day, accepting you. Um, what was that thing that you, you said to yourself every day when you woke up and every day when you went to bed to basically to wake up in the morning and, and survive the day for you? I think for me, in those moments, for me, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just came to a point where there's got to be more to life than this. Mm -hmm. There has to be more 
to life than just day in, day out, going to school, going to work, doing the song and the dance, pleasing people, um, trying to earn people's approval, trying to earn accolades. And like, God, one instance, I'll tell you, we beat the number one team in the nation my junior year in our mm-hmm. in the NEIA, which yeah. was Carroll College. And Carroll College is one of those annoying teams that for years won the national title. They were like the Patriots, but worse. Yeah. To put it in perspective, they had not lost a league game in like 11 years. And they've ever, yeah, no. Wow. Absolutely dominant, bro. Do- just dominant. And they were like a machine. Like if you screwed up once against them, you were screwed. Like you weren't yeah. gonna, it was bad, bro. And it was frustrating. Like we got it in as a freshman class and they're like, your only job, your only job is to beat Carroll College before you are done. That's what they – until then, you're not a success. Talk about pressure. And uh, they would kill us. Like we were – my freshman year, very first year, redshirt year, we were like the worst team in the league. Um, my junior year, that changed. We ended up playing Carroll College at Carroll College when they were number one, and we ended up winning like something like 43 to 33. Oh. Like, yeah, and it was a close game. And uh, it was, I, we played out of our minds, bro. Like, it yeah. was like third down and 12. And I was just in my heart's hearts, I'm like, dude, we're going to make this. We're going to make, we're going to make the first down. And we would. It was nuts. Damn. It was just, it was like a Disney move, moment. And uh, I remember leaving the game and um, thinking to myself on the bus, like, it was the pinnacle of our career. They couldn't get any better. I mean, aside from winning a national title, it couldn't have not gotten any better. Like, that was it. And um, I remember getting on the bus and feeling so terrible and being like, man, it's not enough. It doesn't feel enough. I thought it would wow. feel a certain way, but it wasn't enough. I'm like, well, if we just win one game, you know, one more game or if we beat this team, or if we go to the playoffs. And then we didn't go to the playoffs that year because we didn't get voted in. It was really weird how the mountain, the um, the uh, conferences work. Um, but in any case, yeah. um, the Frontier Conference, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we didn't get voted in. But uh, you have to was, vote? I'm still... It was it was weird. Oh, they, so they go only, off, they off a point scored, huh? They do. And it's a big playoff bracket, so it's... Yeah. stupid and the team that got voted ahead of us played carol and carol absolutely killed them like 62 to zero like it was like guys come on anywho um so we i felt like god there's got to be more to this and like truth be told if i'm just going to be real real i mean i would have these relationships with girls in college and you know of course the night of was great and it was the morning after where I'm like, I wake up. I'm like, dude, there's got to be something more to this. Yeah. I never felt so terrible. And it's a terrible in a way, like, I don't feel guilty. I just felt empty. Yeah. I felt like this wasn't satisfying. It was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Um, like, why am I doing this? And why am I living for this? And it was to prove that I was manly enough, that I was worthy enough, that I was lovable, that mm-hmm. I was desirable. And... Um, all those things that I was looking for in women and sports and success, I really, really was my hearts of hearts 
could only be fulfilled in Christ because Christ is the only one because he's God. Mm -hmm. um, he is, he's not that Futurama God where he's this nebulous being. He's, he's the nebulous being that's become flesh. He's the logos. Like when we, you ask a Christian, who's God like, what does he look like? Describe him. It's Christ. Like the book of Hebrews talks about how Christ is the very imprint or image of God. Like he is the very essence of who he is. Like they're one and the same. Okay. And so when I, when I thought about that, how Christ, I mean, Christ fulfills each one of those desires because he's not just my friend. He's also my king. He gives me order and lordship and he's generous and he blesses me, but he's also my friend. He's the friend I've always looked for. He, the Bible talks about God as being a bridegroom, which is really weird for guys because like mm -hmm. I'm the bride and he's the bridegroom and he's the lover of our souls, meaning that the closest analogy we can ever get to the love of God, according to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter five, is marriage. Like that's wow. the closest we could even get to even the inkling of what God's love is like. And then like talk about an intense love. And yeah. like that's the only imagery. I mean, that's why marriage is so sacred in Christianity, because it, it is the picture of the bride, the church and the husband, the groom. Christ coming together and becoming one and that they'll never be separated. They are one forever. Right. Wow. And so it's this, it's this picture of Christ is the, all the answers to our cosmic ailments really always ultimately go back to the cross. Even, even when we look for truth, like that was what I could, I found so annoying about Christianity is that all the answers led back to the cross. Um, you know, like, it's so strange. Like people ask me about suffering and evil and I like the best, I don't have a good answer for that as a Christian. I really don't know why suffering and evil happens, but I'll tell you what it can't be. It can't be because he doesn't care. And it can't be because he doesn't love us because the cross tells me that Jesus so much hated sin that he'd rather die than see sin win out. Mm -hmm. And that he'd rather He'd rather go to the cross out of love for us than for us to perish and to be under judgment and condemnation under the curse. Yeah. And so he he literally like this is the thing that's so compelling about Christianity. It's not that because it's true, but it fulfills these deep cosmic nostalgia, I would call it. These mm -hmm. deep cosmic voids are, are, are fulfilled in Christ. So like an applicability for the like weightlifting, for example, is like, like I already am the champion. Like, this is the craziest thing. It's like, I can never, ever, ever do a better job in weightlifting, according to God, than already what I have done right now. And so, yep. like, I think about that, like, as a football player, I'm like, okay, like, how do I really play when I know the scoreboard is 55-0? And, like, I'm, we're going to win the game no matter what. Like, how do I, I play way more relaxed and I just have way more fun? And I actually, mm -hmm. ironically enough, play my best. Really? Ironically enough, I played my yeah, because I just I, I I feel more free. I can relax. I'm more chill. The pressure's off of me. I can take risks. Okay. And if I take risks, like, dude, it's fine. But if I take a risk and I make it, it's great. And that's the thing. It's like Christianity provides this cosmic security that your identity is already secured. Whereas if I if I base my identity in a total. If I based off of I am good at weightlifting, if I get a 300 kilo total, let's just say that's that's okay. the one I'm kind of pursuing right now, and yeah. I don't reach it, 
I don't reach it, it won't forgive me. It will never forgive me if I don't reach 300 kilos. And even if I do work and get to it, it will never satisfy me. Because what's the instant thought that we have immediately when we get 300 kilos total? 301. Is 301. 302. (laughs) 310. It never stops. Think about Lasha. Like at a certain point, he's like, you know, whatever his total is, which is something ungodly. He lifts yeah. so much damn weight. I, like, I, I think 400 kilos is absurd. Is is in? It's just superhuman. Yeah. And for him, he's like, that's pitiful. It yeah. needs to be, you know, one more kilo or a kilo after that, or else I'm nothing. Or I got to break this record. Yeah. Or for him, it's probably I got to milk this much money, or else how can I provide for my family? And like, yeah. So your identity is already secure. Um, and so that's. I don't know where I'm going with this tangent, but there, there it is. There's my yeah. tangent. Come, no, no, come it, to my <laughs> no, it's a perfect, what you're saying is that in his eyes, in God's eyes, that three, 299 is enough. You know, 298 yeah. is enough. 260 is enough. Or zero. If you bomb or out. Zero. And and, and it, it, that's as much as we like we the the analogy or or it's not the word I'm looking for, but the barbell, the iron, it's always the same. It will never change. Mm-hmm. It's always mm-hmm. heavy. And the, the only thing you can do after you lift it is lift more mm-hmm. or not. Like those, or, are, those or or lift it again, lift the same amount again, you know, and and if you were left to your own own desire, then lifting it again is never enough. You have to put another kilo on, another pound on, yeah. another fifteen pounds, you know, another ten kilos, whatever it is. But knowing, like you said, knowing that if you don't, it's okay. Like, yeah. you know, and here's. Here's the other thing, too, I want to add about the excellence of Christianity in the sense of you don't just settle because you're already beloved and accepted in him because he's given you the mandate to go, you know, and he has predestined you. Ephesians 2, 9, 2, 10. You're saved by grace. God has pre-called or predestined you to be a masterpiece and to mm-hmm. do good works. And we typically read into that good works like okay, like not sinning, like reading my Bible, going to church, having perfect church attendance, listening to this stupid live stream. And actually like what God created you, created us in Genesis, he created us to do the things that we do right now without sin. So what does that mean? It's like God created you to be a badass. Yeah. God created you to go lift heavy weight. So go and lift as many kilos as you can to the glory of the God or to the glory of God. The thing he doesn't want you to do is don't turn the barbell, and this is Yoon again, Carl Yoon. So this is not the Bible. This is just yeah. you know some heathen philosopher. I don't know. But Carl Yoon, he would say, <laughs> don't let the barbell become a tyrant. Yeah. Don't let that barbell become God. Yeah. Put put the barbell in its proper place. It's a piece of metal. It doesn't determine your worth, your value, the essence of who you are. Yeah. Christ does that. The barbell's just for pure enjoyment. It's amoral, mm-hmm. meaning it has no, it's not good or evil. It's just a thing that we do for fun, for enjoyment. And there's nothing, it's the John Piper quote, God is most satisfied 
Yeah. God is most glorified when I am most satisfied in him. And dude, when I lift a snatch, it is very satisfying. Yeah. Because I I just, I think about, I'm like, man, every time I make a snatch, every time I make a clean jerk, I'm like, the feeling I have right now is a dewdrop in the ocean of the feeling I'll have in eternity with him. And like every time I do that, I'm reflecting on what's going to happen in the future. A literal thing that will happen in the future where I, I mean, he will literally wipe every tear, every, every, he will, he will erase our pain. Like he'll make the sad things about this world, not just gone, but he'll make them untrue. Like it never happened. And it's so crazy to me to think like every time we suffer, every time we go through this thing called weightlifting, it ultimately points back to him. And it's just a, the joy we feel when we lift is, is experiencing a part of heaven. And yeah. that's why God wants us to do it. That's why there's so much enjoyment to do it. Um, so I'm not, if anybody's listening to this, I'm not saying be mediocre or be satisfied with zero kilos, but <laughs> you know, go and do the best you can. Like, yeah. There, there's a re- I mean, I'm, I'm a go-getter dude. Like I'm constantly looking to try and do the best I can. I work my freaking face off, Yeah. but at the same time, like I'm in, I'm in no hurry. I'm in no hurry. It will happen when it happens. And if, if it does, great. If it doesn't, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I'm going to do the best I can. Yep. No, that's awesome, dude. Um, so, so where are you at right now with, um, uh, with your life and, and your podcast and what are you, what are you building on right now? Oh, uh, outside of weightlifting, man. um, you're, you're about about. 10 more minutes and my wife's going to yell at me. So. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, I, that's, I, um, mainly like, uh, do you, what do you have coming up for yeah, your podcast you. as far as you, you know, do you have, uh, what shows, what topics are you going to be talking to yeah. talk out over the next couple of weeks? Um, yeah, so my podcast right now is, a, yeah, oh, well, it's uh it's in an interesting spot because I'm banned from Instagram Live. Uh, that's fun. That's where I that that is it, I got in too much trouble for posting too many spicy things. Uh, people Weird. were, yeah, I know. Well, people were very upset. Uh, you have an opinion about Roe v. Wade that is counterintuitive to everyone else. Well, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah, it's like guys, like you should know better. Like I'm gonna be faithful to kind of the orthodox position about abortion, yeah. but uh, so I got in trouble with that, and I've been delegating with Instagram to see how long my suspension is up, and they're not telling me, they're not connecting with me. So wow, I plan on doing an episode. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. It's crazy, and I do all of my interaction comes from Instagram Live. Now, granted, wow. I can still do, I have my studio and I can still do the podcast via Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't get the same amount of outreach. So, um, Theosis Radio is my podcast. And okay. I have, I'm doing it, I was doing a series on deconstructing secularism, okay. um, talking about the secular worldview. Okay. And I'll probably continue with that. And hopefully that will be started up either this week or next week. I will nice. announce it on my Instagram. So, um, but, um, as far as that, I actually signed up for a meet this Saturday. Holy smokes. Did not taper for it. It just well, was at my gym, and I'm just going to go do it. Because hey, I'm going to compete. It's been a while. 
just go in if it's on Saturday, just go in Friday, you know, hit a 70, 70% back squat and, uh, oh my gosh, hit like a 50% snatch and a 60% yeah. clean and jerk and go sit in the sauna and eat yeah. a big, yeah, <laughs> dude, I already got that post workout or the post meat meal. There's a yeah. deli joint here in Tacoma called MSM sandwiches. Oh, oh. 32 inch sub, bro. It's got my name on it. I don't care if it's the macros. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, so yeah, I will be doing that. And nice. Um, I've been been training really good. You know, I think that I hit a 280 total last week, which was pretty nice. 125 snatch, 155 clean and jerk. Awesome. And that was that was coming off of a really, really, really heavy day the day before. I was planning on resting that day and then training while my schedule didn't work out. So I, I, I hope to open, I'm going to open relatively low and then see what I can hit and just have fun, dude. Like it's nice local me. I just, it, it's just, I need to put myself out there. It's, 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 uh, it's an art form of itself mm-hmm. to do meets. Like you need practice at the meets and I definitely Absolutely. practice. So, um, I got that going on and I'm just on summer break, enjoying my time away from teaching, bro. Cause I was, I was exhausted from absolutely teaching. It was exhausting teaching <laughs> Spanish. Oh, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for me, man. I'm just chilling, having, having the time of my life. Awesome. No, that's great, dude. Um, well, good luck next weekend. If you find yourself in the PDX, let me know. Um, Tuesdays and yeah. Thursdays, we train and podcast in the garage. We're either, yeah. So that's where the like, we're in the in the bedroom right now for doing the online interviews and stuff. But I have like the whole studio set up right in front of my cool. platform. So we uh, lift. Are you going to be then... doing that uh, big meet in October at so, State? Is that the uh, Joe? Yeah, that's so. That's Joe Beck's meet. That's the WSO Championship yeah. or whatever. Um, I will not. That's my. That's either the weekend of or the weekend after my wife's 40th birthday. And so I will be, I'll either be in San Diego, San Francisco, or we might go to Louisiana. I don't know. I got to do something for it. I don't. Yeah. So I'm not going to have, I'm going to train for it. I'm definitely going to train for it, but I'm not going to be, it, it bums me out because I really wanted to go. Not because I'm not a USAW member right now. I haven't been for like a year and a half, two years. Got it. And for my own personal reasons, I, I, there's enough, there's, there's so much. There's so much. And I was just like, you know what? I will, I will step back. And like I said, I, I, I got to edit a podcast and, and put it up tonight. But like, I don't vote, I don't pay into the system. So I choose not to have an opinion directly on, usaw as a uh, as the way they operate because i don't like i can have an opinion but in the end of end of the day like i don't want to be part of that organization i will yeah. I, like if like if you were going to come down and it was going to be me you matt damon you know a bunch of the local guys and girls and go to a meet and just like have fun then yeah i'd pay the 80 bucks or whatever to to right. be able to go and compete but you know that's that's my only contribution to usaw is I mean, that's, have fun that's literally literally the only reason why i still have membership 
because I want to do local meets. Yeah. Like I'm uh, not even interested in doing the national meets anymore. Like I just watched the dumpster fire they're putting on. And I'm like, dude, this sounds like hell. It sounds like like the Vegas meet. Like, bro, you think I'm gonna spend like fifteen hundred bucks to go totally? Yeah. Because that's yeah. essentially what I'm doing. Yeah. So I, I just I don't I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. Honestly, I might have to hop on the gladiator weightlifting train. Yeah. You need straps, you can press out, like I mean, yeah. that's not too bad. Well, so hopefully, not hopefully, so I'm doing the camp, right? And at the middle of September, doing the camp this year. Next year, Memorial Day, the weekend before Memorial Day, I'm gonna do another camp. And then in between, and the, the, we're going to do t- at a min- minimum two camps a year. And in between those two camps, I, I'm i going to do an outdoor meet. So early summer oh. next year, I'm going to put on an outdoor meet. We've been planning it now for, fuck, it's been two years now. And it's just a matter of locking it down. Finding the location is the hardest part, but it's going to be... 60 to 100 lifters, kind of like a CrossFit festival kind of thing, kind of like Granite Games, but weightlifting yeah. only. The idea is to have it at uh, a baseball park, like a one that has like a grandstand and have the platform set on home plate. That's sick. So that's yeah. dude, count me in. Seriously. Yeah. Once you guys get that figured out, I'm all about it. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll take my lifters and go down there too. So yeah, so like I said, it's going to be sixty to one hundred lifters. It's going to like hopefully it's going to be a multi-day event, um, and it's not going to be. It might be USAW affiliated. I we might end up just using John's, you know, have it be an Attitude Nation meet, and and that way everybody, you know, if you you can use your total and stuff. And it's covered, the insurance is covered and all that stuff, but it's going to be a completely different feel. And hopefully, you know, they're doing one down in California at an amphitheater on the beach this year, which I hope Cornell and a couple of other guys from the team are going and it's badass. Like I want, like one of the first time I saw it, I was like, man, they stole my idea because I, we, John and I were going to do this in Prineville two years ago. And I, at first, I was like, God, that sucks. I can't believe those guys. Uh, like, at first, I'm like, wait, this is awesome. Right. Like, let's, we we need more of these. We need more, like, more events where people can walk by and see what we're doing and see the intensity and see the camaraderie and see that stuff, uh, like, on the forefront, you know, so. No doubt. No doubt. So, anyhow, dude, it was great talking hey. to you. Great chat with you, man. Thanks for having yeah. me on. It was it was an honor having you on. I've been like I've been thinking about having you on. I want to have John Douglas on. All the all the guys that like like I said had a big impact on me coming up in weightlifting. And I really respect you and what you're doing with your podcast you. and 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 what you've done with your faith and and how you put yourself out there. Um, Thank you. Like it really is amazing and uh, it's 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 an honor, man. It's an honor to well, count as a friend. I really I really. Likewise, brother, and I really appreciate you saying that. That means the world. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. All right, so, man. Uh, well, I gotta go, man, because my wife's gonna kill me. I don't hey, man. Right <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, man. 
I understand. Mine's at work, so uh, it's, I'm avoiding oh, it right now. Must be nice. Yeah, it is. Must <laughs> be right. nice. Well, hey, have a great day, man. You too. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.